0: back to part two of chapter four, The Evangelist. You're here with me, Renika, your host and narrator. And as always, you already know the intro. I love to deep dive into the books alongside the actual author and the author today is Valton Brown. And if you haven't listened to part one, please do go back. We discussed the intro to this chapter and what it meant and we also looked at two key evangelists so far which were francis Galton and julian sorrell Huxley. and in this part two we are going to be looking at our third and last evangelist for this section and i've termed this person the pioneer of modernity Arthur might have a different opinion because obviously he's the author so that's mm-hmm. fine but our third evangelist is a contentious character and she is called Margaret Higgins Sanger so before I ask Falston who he has presented Margaret Sanger as or the information he found I'm going to read what he described her as in the book from page 80. Falston said however there are clear divisions on Margaret Sanger's intentions when it came to the issue of race in one corner she is viewed as the determined feminist trying to liberate women giving them a choice over their bodies on the other hand she is deemed a racist whose goal was to target poor ethnic groups and reduce their birth rate is it possible to resolve this could it be that we have got her all wrong and she was simply acting in a manner that was considered normal in her day so the first question i want to ask valton i mean we've just got straight in there (laughs) Uh, the first question i want to ask valton is Why is Margaret Sanger such a contentious character?
1: Well, Margaret Sanger is the face of birth control in the same way that Charles Darwin is the face of evolution. She's an intelligent woman. She can obviously draw a crowd and because of the way that she was as an individual, she led quite a a colourful life, I think. You know, she didn't hold back in anything she did and that could well have been because of her early experience as a child, you see. So... Yeah, she's quite a formidable character.
0: Yeah, and when I was doing some wider reading as well on Margaret Sanger, you used a quote from one of her statements that she was saying to Clarence Gamble in a letter on the 10th of December. And it says, let me just read a really small snippet. To employ a full-time Negro physician, it seems to me from my experience, where I've been in North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee and Texas, that while the coloured negroes have great respect for white doctors, they can get closer to their own members and more or less lay their cards on the table, which means their ignorance, superstitions and doubts. They do not do this with white people and if we can train the negro doctor at the clinic, he can go among them with enthusiasm and with knowledge, which I believe will have far-reaching results among the coloured people. His work, in my opinion, should be entirely with the negro profession and the nurses, hospitals, social workers, as well as the county's white doctors. His success will depend upon his personality and his training by us. The minister's work is also important and also he should be trained, perhaps by the Federation, as to our ideals and the goal that we hope to reach. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population and the minister is a man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. This one quote alone, when I was reading around, has been back and forth between Yes, like you said at the beginning, yes, she is a racist versus, no, you're taking it out of context. She wanted to have the Negro Project, which is what this is all connected to, to allow the black community to have control over their birth rates and things like that. What is your stance or more accurately stance you took in the book about Margaret Sanger?
1: When I looked at the character of Margaret Sanger and I saw that letter, I came across the same issues, which is why I wrote the way I did That There are two camps it's usually based on what the individual believes. So if this is about women taking control of their bodies, then absolutely. They would say Margaret Sanger is a person that was trying to advocate that women have the right to choose what they do with their bodies. On the flip side, there were those that were experiencing things like sterilization. Whereas if they were mothers and they were from the black community. They could give birth to the child, but then unknown to them, they'd be sterilized at the same time. Some of the funding from Margaret Sanger's work went into that. So you get this conflict of two opinions, feminism on one side and the issue of race on the other and its abuses. She's a very complicated character, but yet not so complicated when you put her into the context of the whole narrative. And this is why joining the dots for me was so key to unraveling some of these questions. Now, there's some footage that's gone around that just isn't true. Photographs and things are not accurate. Someone's fabricated the information. But take all that away. Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. Okay, She didn't hide that. In the interviews that she had, of course, she wanted to see the birth rates controlled and that people that she believed didn't have the means wouldn't have to suffer, or the children wouldn't have to suffer, should I say, at the hands of the parents because the parents were stupid enough to have the children when they couldn't afford it. That is the, the Margaret Sanger that I keep coming across. On top of that, you mentioned Clarence Gamble. There are other characters that she was connected to that when you read about them, you see that they have the same belief system. It's the same belief system. That's the key part of all of this. You can do humanitarian works and hate the people you're working with, but it gives you a profile, right? If you go back to her beginning, I think this is, she even says this herself. This is what really impacted where she went and how she went about things. So her mother gave birth to 11 children and she had seven miscarriages. So that means 18 pregnancies. Her father held his own views that isolated their family from the rest of the community. So she has some kind of Christian background, but it's a bit... Messed up because of the father by the sound of it. Now, here's a woman that saw the struggle that her mom went through, who died at the age of 50. And she's looking at this as a child, and she really wasn't pleased with her father for the way that he had treated her mom and how they lived and all the rest of it. So that kind of fueled what she would become later. Now, put into the context of an environment where you've got the ideas of Francis Galton, you've got the Julian Huxleys, you've got the Gambles. You've got these organisations being set up by these people and the funds that are going into it. And then you've got this lady who wants to open the first clinic for birth control. She gets herself into all sorts of trouble. She's fled the country. She comes to Britain. And lo and behold, she connects with the British version of Margaret Sanger and become uh, almost like an alliance in uh, winning this battle to control the number of children that's being born within the poorer communities. Now, if you're a eugenicist and you have you that you have that kind of influence, you'll see in the book that it was really about controlling those numbers. And do a bit more research on Margaret Sanger. That letter that you you read is the one that people argue about and focus in on that alone, but don't actually look at the wider picture. Put it into context. Look at all the different strands and you'll see it's part of the same narrative as some of the others.
0: Yeah, because as you mentioned, the letter was to Clarence Gamble. And in this chapter, you also do talk about Clarence Gamble as one of the five evangelists. And he definitely was a eugenicist through and through. And so you're basically saying with association and discussions like this, it's not going to be for the benefit of the people uh, when you're (laughs) sending a letter to Clarence Gamble.
1: Absolutely. But here's a key, which is why I put this in the book as well each of these individuals that set up organizations that are still around today, the organizations themselves are releasing um, articles to distance themselves from the beliefs of the founders, which include Margaret Sanger. If everything she did was right and it was all based on wanting to help the needy and all this sort of stuff, then they wouldn't have any need to try and distance themselves. They had to admit that actually she had some pretty dangerous views
0: Very true, because that was another interesting element of this chapter, was the organisations like Francis Galton's organisation did the same. Yes. And I think as well, Clarence Gamble was another one Mm -hmm. with Pathfinder Fund or something like that. So this character and this person, Margaret Sanger, is a very interesting character. And Mm. I was really impressed with when I was reading through this chapter that you included her as one of the eugenicists, even though... Uh, not one of the eugenicists, but one of the evangelists, even though you knew it, it would be quite a hot topic. Yeah. Um, did, bringing her yeah. out <laughs> as a, a prominent character. And what would you say then that Margaret Sanger contributed to the eugenics movement?
1: She was the lady that came up with the term birth control. Now, as I say, there's the conspiracy world that talk about population control and different things about the planet. But here, it's not a theory, it's, it's a statement of fact. She, she coined the phrase birth control and she used every skill that she had to promote the idea. Everything. She was in and out of prison a few times. She wasn't prepared to back down on what she believed. And this is what made her that character that stood out from even some of the men that we have in this uh, in this period. She literally was an intelligent, articulate woman who for whatever reason, was able to capture the minds and hearts and the narrative of, of women across the world. Sadly, it impacted on the black community in a way that still there are people who's talking about their experiences and how they um, literally have had to try and campaign to get recognition for what was done to them when they were under the regime that was implemented through the laws and different things that these people created, basically.
0: And that's why at the beginning, when I was saying, like I termed her the pioneer of modernity, it was like a two pronged thing that she was pushing the modernity of what uh, now everyone considers the feminist movement and things like that. Yes. But she also was the modern face of eugenics, of making it seem palatable and plausible, and brought in solutions and ideas that no one else in that movement had, correct, particularly thought about before,
1: correct and it's worthwhile googling um, Margaret Sanger. Look for her on YouTube. There is an old uh, interview with her, and it's quite a telling interview because she avoids answering certain questions. For example, she was asked the question of, with your background, do you believe in sin? And what would you describe as sin? And she refused to answer it. How she responded was basically to say the greatest sin is that someone could bring a child into the world and they know that they're going to inherit diseases and criminality and different things from their parents that's it so you can see from that interview firsthand how this woman understood how to respond to the questions that the normal person would ask by not giving them the answer but protecting what she believed and that was her all along
0: wow well we have definitely come through a lot of different evangelists a lot of different opinions I think before I go into the rounding off questions, because I've got a few rounding off questions, is there anything you would like to bring out even further about these evangelists?
1: I would say, um, maybe repeating myself, that these evangelists were used as a means to promote a message, to promote a philosophy, to engage the minds of people who probably didn't think like that, and some that did but had no platform by which they can engage. These individuals, like any religious organization, preach their gospel. And we are still hearing the same messages today. The the thing that I would say to those that believe in the Messiah and are reading this, please don't get hooked into it as being a eugenic story or a slavery story or a race issue. We've got enough activism as it is. There's enough organizations saying they're standing for each and every one of those aspects. What we are looking for is the tapestry, the big picture, and what that means to every single one of us living on planet Earth in this 2023. That, for me, is is where these evangelists play a key part in setting the foundations for something that turned into quite a a monstrous structure. And sad to say, it's, it's what we are now living in. And while we have so much confusion about the world we're living in and the things that are currently happening, but God had already spoken about it. So for those that know the word, it shouldn't really have been a surprise.
0: That's really t- very true, Valton. So basically what you're saying is that we should all step back and look at the, again, when we were talking about in part one, mm. the religious system as a whole, yeah. rather than as segments and pieces so that we actually finally see the puzzle and not just... A few yeah. isolated elements
1: correct correct
0: okay on to some should i say quickfire questions again maybe okay. could you hint to readers how these characters relate to the wider book
1: their beliefs are foundational so if you look at the words they created or the phrases they used or the foundations when i say foundations i mean the organizations that were funders if you think about them If you look at the traditional role of an evangelist, trying to get as many people as possible to hear this message. So then the others can take part in developing that message, whether it's on one-to-one teaching or through organizations that are going to be set up to train people, these evangelists were foundational to that. The, The phrases they created, the foundations they set up through organizations, the belief systems, the connections they had globally, literally create this root system now from the seed of darwinism that just starts to grow and grow and grow now remember the only reason this seed could grow is because of the soil what is the soil made of people's lives right and the expression that we said the other week is that the soil is the heart but let's look at this in another way that in order for this particular soil to be able to feed this root system and this tree, this organic structure, what went into it was the same thing that went into the soil when Cain killed his brother. The Bible says that the, the blood of Abel cries out onto God. This is what God said to, to Cain. The blood of Abel cries out onto him. And today we have the same thing that the soil, the blood of those that were innocent, that was slaughtered, whether it's through abortion, whether it's through slavery, whatever mechanism, In this system, this philosophy, lives were taken and their blood is crying out onto God. So these evangelists are the proponents of something that is not about life at all. It's actually a a machine of death, if I could put it like that, or a philosophy of death.
0: And when you were writing about these characters, what was your biggest shock or takeaway?
1: My biggest shock was the level to which they, they would go to to ensure that their philosophy was heard and received and accepted. As I say, Margaret Sanger went into prison and out of prison a few times. She fled the country because of court cases and what have you. These people were not afraid to step forward and do what they had to do. And some of the others that had the means, tragically, they didn't do very much that was good with it. They uh, poured it into what they believed. And in some instances, uh, the... The US government also put money into supporting the organizations that they had set up. So the mission didn't stop, it just continued. And the money that was poured in just defied the possibilities. So this is a very pivotal point in history that sets the tone for all the things that are going to come next.
0: And lastly, are there other places you would recommend to readers to be able to look into these characters in more detail? Because you obviously address quite like five of the characters um in your book
1: yeah uh, there's numerous sources everyone knows about Planned Parenthood but I probably wouldn't start with their website because it's a different narrative now but I would um certainly look at the places like the British Library the Library of Congress there's a website that's produced in Canada if you google eugenics in Canada you'll probably see this website that specifically talks about eugenics and it has its own interactive website where whereas if you click on one subject it creates this huge spider of all the connections to that subject um but but all of that should be in the book but if not i'll certainly be posting it on the website so that you can get some uh, some further background information
0: that's really good thank you so much because one of the really interesting parts of this chapter was to go and look at the footnotes and find out where the articles were in relationship to the wider society because for example with Francis Galton he was writing in Macmillan magazine which was almost a revolutionary magazine at the time in British society yeah so it really just gives you even more context to these characters
1: absolutely and there are even within the British government's website some of the meetings that were had around legislation you can still find it there it's still you have to dig a bit you have to know what you're searching for but it's still there on record with the conversation and the outcomes so it's there and uh, probably this is why it's not been put together like this before because really do have to do some digging to find those elements that seem to be almost hidden away
0: a bit like the hidden tree right
1: a bit like the hidden tree (laughs) i like
0: it is there anything else you would like to add as a lasting note for this chapter
1: Again, same as before, really, just to keep reading. Um, It's This whole book is intended to be a a tool, a a compass to help the reader to step back, not to be so drawn in by one aspect of our existence here and get lost in one, one story or area, but to step back, take an overview, but do it prayerfully. It's important that we understand this now. I believe this was given now because we're actually being bombarded with all kinds of things and, and things are changing fast. And it can be very, very confusing. But by God's grace, this will help to settle some of those questions and to provide some clarity. And bear in mind that these evangelists, they are the opposite to the apostles and prophets of the Bible, but their mission is pretty much the same, going into all the world and preaching this gospel, false one and also getting them to become part and parcel of that movement.
0: Thank you so much, Felton, for joining us today to look at this chapter. Like I mentioned at the beginning, a very different format of a chapter, but also very pivotal, I guess, for how we then go forward and seeing the outcome of their beliefs and systems, because sometimes we can really remove the people out of history. And we're starting to see the individuals that made up this historical tapestry so next episode we'll be looking into chapter five the hidden tree if you enjoyed what you listened today but haven't purchased the book the book is available on all major retailers such as amazon and waterstones and we hope you can join us for the next episode of beside the author thank you for everyone listening and everyone who's been on this journey with us so far have a great rest of your day goodbye